Report in. Red 10 standing by. Red 9 standing by. Red 3 standing by. Red 6 standing by. Red 9 standing by. You're listening to the Ion Cannon Podcast. Laugh it up, fuzzball. Your source for entertainment reviews from a galaxy far, far away. This is it. He laser clickers. Welcome to the Ion Cannon Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Stephen, and I'm joined by my friends and co-hosts, Tom and William. Uh, today, it is far too hot for me to try and come up with any kind of pun. So welcome <laughs> to our review of Season 1, Episode 9 of The Bad Batch, titled Bounty Lost. Uh, but before we get into things, I think, William, you were able to attend a press event. And uh, why don't you tell us about that? Yeah, yeah. So uh, Disney and Lucasfilm invited us to a special press event for a number of uh fan podcasts uh, earlier this week with uh, producers and uh, producer and head writer Jennifer Corbett, uh, a producer and um, uh, head director Brad Rao, and of course Ming-Na Wen, who plays Fennec Shand. And it was a really it was a really great discussion. Um, you know, a number of our friends of the show were there, including Mark Newbold and Teresa Delgado and and many others as well. And it was just a great uh, uh, Jenna Marie uh, as well. And uh, it was just a really great time to kind of catch up with everyone again, even though it was virtual. We haven't seen in, in a while, and and get talk to the the cast and crew of the Bad Batch because, as you guys know, this show is just phenomenal. And um, yeah, so we, we talked with, like I said, uh, Jennifer Corbett, Brad Rao, and, and Ming-Na Wen. Starting with uh, Jennifer and Brad, uh, I'll just kind of re- briefly recap some of the, the stuff on the podcast. You may have already seen articles from some of our, our uh, friends out there already, but you know we're, uh, we didn't want to rush to try to break it first, right? Um, but uh, you know, we want to still make sure we bring you the, the coverage. Um, and it's interesting. I, one, of the, one of the things I talked about is how... The Mandalorian and the Bad Batch kind of have a similar feel, right? It's about a this uh, a Mandalorian, or in this case, a group of clones who are taking care of this baby or younger child. Um, and some people have kind of crit- criticized the Bad Batch for that, which I think is kind of unfair. And I, I really liked what how uh, Jennifer Corbett uh, described it, and she said, you know, grounding the show in family really helps bring people in. It's familiar, right? It's something you can relate to. Um, but while families may seem the same on the surface, like the more you dig in, the more you realize how different they are. And you can be like, oh yeah, they're a family, right? But it's same thing with rebels, right? They were they were a family there. Um, and uh, and even in some degrees, the Clone Wars, right? And so at its core, yeah, it's always they're all kind of, Star Wars is really about family. I'm 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 um, uh, kind of uh, riffing on on <laughs> what Jennifer said, of course, but. Uh, I thought it was a really great point there. Um, they also talked about uh, how free will and like choice is a key theme of this season. We've seen some of that already, and I suspect we'll see more of that because we've got a great trailer uh, teasing the second half of the the season. And when we, we asked them, how would you tease the second half of the season? In just two words... Uh, Jennifer's response was hold on and Brad's was buckle up. Okay. There we go. Uh, uh, fairly, uh, uh, non-spoilery there. Um, but Brad went into a bit more detail. He has talked about how they're just having so much fun and really enjoying seeing all of the reactions to the show. And if, if we like what we've seen so far, we're going to love what's coming up next. And I think, I don't know about you guys. I think we've seen that where the last few episodes in particular really picked up speed significantly. They they picked up speed, but I really loved how they're talking about family because realize that 
this was this this whole Star Wars universe is the Skywalker saga, and Skywalker, you do think family, so it's only carrying on the whole thing about Skywalker and family and everything. So, I I, I don't see any kind of riff on Mandalorian. I see this being its own thing, but what better way to bring in people? If you have something familiar that they can grab onto, and that's family. Exactly. Exactly. Um, they also talked about um, bringing in Cad Bane to the show. Of course, I cannot wait to review this episode with you guys. Uh, this is going to be a fun one. Um, uh, Cad-, Cad Bane, like they they knew from early on that they wanted to bring Fennec Shand into the Bad Batch, uh, and uh, you know we'll we'll talk about this more later. I. We have all sorts of theories about where they'll go and why they wanted to bring Fennec Shand and could it tie into the Book of Boba Fett and the Mandalorian and all this other stuff. But they knew they wanted to bring it, uh, bring her in. They wouldn't really go into more details than that. Um, and, you know, the the thing is, like, she's much younger than we see her in the Mandalorian, right? She's she's newer to the scene. She's still dangerous, but she's she's a newer, more... Um, uh, you know, not, she's not, she's not been a bounty hunter quite as long, right? Uh, and so they had to, they had to bring in a, a bigger gun, right? They wanted to compare Fennec Shan to the, a big gun the Kaminoans might bring in and their natural, um, uh, the, the first instinct was who, what's a, who's a bigger gun than Fennec Shand? Well, of course, Cad Bane, right? Mm-hmm. No one's going to outdraw Cad Bane. Um, and, and, you know, they just, how the Bad Batch, every time they're interacting with Fennec Shand, with, with Cad Bane, they're always learning something new about the threats that are out there and able to continue to to evolve and, and grow. And um, So yeah, it's, I'm, I'm, I don't know about you guys, I'm excited to see where and how the, the Batch continue to learn and grow and, and what they take from Fennec Shand and, and Cad Bane. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Uh, switching gears to Ming Na Wen, um, and she was a joy to, to talk to as well. Um, we started off talking about her characterization of Fennec Shan, both in The Mandalorian and in um, and in The Bad Batch, and and how you know actually I didn't realize this. I didn't actually know there was a type of fox called a Fennec fox. Um, and she talked oh, yeah. about. Yeah, I yeah, probably I, should I know, but box. yeah, yeah, uh, I'm just not a big fox aficionado, I guess. Um, and uh, she talked about how she based her character on foxes. She watched a lot of fo- videos about foxes, especially the Fennec mm-hmm. foxes, and how they're very alert and aware and kind of slink along. And she tried to bring that into her voice acting, where it kind of gives a little bit of that quality. Uh, an elongated slinky rhythm. So she, when she 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 talks as Fennec Shan, she tries to use that and exaggerate and stretch words a bit more. Um, and how she's also like a fox, kind of able to to read very very intelligent, able to read people. Or or she says, as in the case of Toro uh, uh, Calican, thinks she can uh, read people um, to to get what she wants. Um, and that's an interesting contrast to a discussion we had later about her relationship with Omega, right? Because as we've seen, there's, she's she's pretty friendly to Omega. And we talked about is it is it a is it an act or is it genuine or does she care about Omega? You know, it's kind of an open question. The show isn't really answering right now. And she talked about how with young Fennec in particular, and, and she she said that. Um, when she's playing young Fennec, she tries to 
you know, keep the same character, but make them a little more, maybe a little more naive, a little more, haven't learned, experienced as much yet. Um, but with young Fennec Shand, you know, she's so good at reading and manipulating people and, and playing a certain, you know, quality of her, of herself to invite people uh, to gain their, tr- her trust uh, or mm-hmm. to, to gain their trust. And so, you know, she kind of left it up to us. She was very, played kind of coy and wasn't really willing to answer whether this is a genuine care for Omega in some ways or if it's just a, a lie and, and a ruse to get Omega on her side, um, which I think is fascinating. And I'm really interested to see what ends up happening. Does she care about Omega? Doesn't she? We'll talk about that more in our in our review. And she, uh, Ming-Na said there's a, there's a part of her that likes to think that she connects with Omega. But mm-hmm. we'll see. But realize a fox can be sly. So yes, she could be. Let, let's just say she could be working the room to make you think she's got, you know, some kind of feelings for Omega. But, you know, we'll see. Exactly. Exactly. Yep. So, yeah, it was a really fun discussion. She also talked briefly about how I think she had reiterated, reiterated again. She didn't know she was going to be brought on for, you know, more than just the Mandalorian. In fact, she thought she was going to die at the end of the episode. And then you know, she, they, they ended up bringing her back. And of course she has some shared history with um, Dave Filoni. They grew up in the same area. And so she kind of was like, come on, Dave, you know, bring me back. And, and of course, <laughs> not only did she come back from Mandalorian season two, but she came back for the book of Boba Fett and she's coming back for the bad batch. And now she's really uh, in all sorts of uh, Star Wars projects at this point. And she's a huge Star Wars fan. She was like, geeking out about everyone's star Wars rooms, you know, as we were all on zoom and, and stuff. Wow. Wait till uh, she sees my office. Exactly. Exactly. Um, last, but certainly at least this was interesting. She talked about how, because of COVID, they actually sent her a microphone, um, and, and a computer and everything she needed to record in her own home. And I think this is probably a common story, but, uh, or through with COVID, but, uh, she ended up recording in her closet because I had the best sound there. And so everything we hear of um, Fennec Shand in season one of The Bad Batch is all straight from her closet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so You know, this is what I'm going to find fascinating. Once all this is over, and then they, they can get the actors into a studio. Yeah. Just think about how... I mean, they're good now with season one with recording in separate locations. Think about now maybe the better interaction you'll get mm-hmm. in the readings when they're actually in the same room. Yeah. And how, how, how great it's going to be even above and beyond oh, what yeah. they're doing to now, now. And then the behind the scenes stuff that's going to end up on Instagram and everything else. Cause I'm sure there's fun stuff that happens in yeah. recordings like that, which is much harder to do, I think remotely. So yeah. 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 Sure is. So yeah, okay. that's a, that's a brief, a brief recap of the, um, the, this press event, it was great chatting with all of them, and uh, yeah, can't you know? Obviously, they couldn't share too much about what's coming up, but uh, we've got a from what they were teasing and, and implying. It sounds like we've got a lot of really great stuff ahead in the show. So I guess I'm going to have to buckle my seatbelt because it's going to be a bumpy ride. Yep, yeah, buckle buckle up, as Brad Rouse said. Um, one more thing before we go into this episode into our review because this is a, a gonna be another fun one to talk about. Uh, thankfully, uh, the Bad Batch soundtrack for the first half of season one is out now. Um, so, so glad they're doing their, uh, the soundtracks again. They seem to be following the same pattern they did for Clone Wars and 
Mandalorian and, and doing them, you know, uh, a few episodes at a time in this case, you know, first half of the season and the second half of the season. So, uh, great music by, uh, the Kiner brothers. So Kevin Kiner and his brothers. So go check that out as well. And with that, enough of, enough of me talking, Tom, what are we going to be reviewing today? Well, tonight we're going to be reviewing bad batch season one, episode nine bounty lost directed by Brad Rao written by Nathaniel Villanueva, and the synopsis, well, it's plain and simple. The Batch embark on a rescue mission. Hmm. Gee, I wonder who they have to go... Oh, yeah, we kind of saw that at the end of last uh, episode because this picks up immediately right after the last episode. I, I do love that every episode we're getting right now is just hit after hit after hit. Yeah. Like, there, there's no, okay, we'll come back in a couple of weeks and see how things are changing. No, mm-hmm. we're... Just in the thick of it. Yeah, and they're picking up right after. They're not They're not making us wait a few weeks like we did with Clone yep. Wars. As much as I loved Clone Wars, right, you'd have to wait weeks sometimes or season, you know, a season or more to, to find out what happens. And, you know, it's nice because they're, they're following one story. It just picks up minutes later usually, just yeah. minutes later. Like they're still escaping Crosshair at the beginning of this episode. Uh, that's how, uh, how, how closely it follows the previous episode. Yeah. I think it, it's making very, very good storytelling right now. Cause you would love to just take it and just edit them all together without the opening credit and just follow the story. Yeah. Just continual. Yeah. Now, before we go into the specifics, cause a lot of this does focus on Omega actually, and less so on the batch themselves, mm-hmm. um, which I really liked uh, the, the title of the episode. It instantly, reminded me of the Clone Wars episode Lightsaber Lost, right? Bounty Hunt Lost. Yeah. Do you think that's a, a, an homage to to the Clone Wars episode? Definitely I like to think possible. the writer was like, oh, yeah. I, yeah. You know what? <laughs> I, I think I think it's basically telling, um, in so many words, Cad Bane, I think you're going to lose your bounty because you got to admit, wasn't it funny when Toto dropped those credits? <laughs> Oh yeah, I I thought that was brilliant. Poor Toto. Toto is okay. Let's the, yeah, the poor get, guy. Yeah. Like let's yeah. talk about Toto for a minute. You know, Omega's stuck in her cell. Cad Bane's in the cockpit doing his thing, and she totally convinces poor Toto three sixty to let her out so she could to she can help repair his leg. She's just trying to be friendly. And and she does, you know, she she fixes his leg because Cad Bane refused, um, and it's so sad to see like how loyal Toto is to Cad Bane and how little Cad Bane cares about Toto. Yeah, um, wouldn't it be fun? Just as a, a an evil twist at the end of Bad Batch, Toto somehow turns on Cad Bane. <laughs> right. Yeah. I think that would be hilarious. Yeah, it'd be I, interesting. I. Uh... I suspect they're playing it more for laughs than, you know, for something that's actually going to happen. But absolutely. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. But sure enough, she just takes him right out, uh, fixes him up and then knocks him out and is able to escape on the planet Bora Vio in the Lido system. And this is uh, this is where I think things get really interesting. This is where the episode to me kicked in a high gear. I just, I first off when they when they 
came into the planet and they were coming into the, the Camino facility, it had that Bespin feel to it, mm-hmm. which which was oh so cool to see. You kind of relive Bespin, but what made it just dial it up a notch when she got inside the corridors and that creepy fog feeling that -hmm. was in the corridors Mm -hmm. just set up some really, really cool, you know, scary jumps were just out of your seat. Just like didn't expect this to happen. Didn't because everything was covered by that. Yeah. And the, like visually that was incredible, but also like aesthetically, it looks like you took Camino the cities on Camino, like Topoca City, and put it in the in the clouds. Yep. At, from the from the doors to the the keypads, um, this really is a floating version of Camino, and that opens up so many questions. Like, it, what it, what it, it sounds? I, I get the impression it was an abandoned base, but is it the is it an abandoned facility they used for something? If so, what? Or was it something they, a place that maybe they used to live? I don't know. What, what do you guys think? Any, any theories here? Stephen, go first. So for me, I think it all comes down to uh, a blink and you miss it shot when Omega opens up one of the containers and one of the cloning projects falls out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What, what did you guys think that was? Is it, it, it's a Kaminoan, it looked right? larger. That's what, yeah. I, I, but it I looked agree. larger to me than the Kaminoan. The head was much bigger. Hmm. It and I was watching on my phone. It looked vaguely Snokish. See, and and originally that's kind of what I thought, Stephen. When you see, especially when uh, when she was going by all the those pots, and you look at the faces and they're all grotesque. Okay, mm-hmm. you got that feel that they 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 were Snokish. But what kind of kicked it off as being a clone of a Kaminoan was when Omega was able to have one of them fall on Phoenix Shan and bust open. That, to me, looked like maybe not as long-necked Kaminoan, but it had that same body body style, head style. So they were kind of cloning themselves, hmm. from what I thought. And also, for me, this kind of proves I don't think they were cloning her to have any kind of force ability. Mm-hmm. I, I think, I think this episode, it's just basically just a straight clone. I think this episode rules that out. We yes. just, we'll come back to that. Yeah, I, no, I agree. I, yeah, I, I'm, I'm, it looked just it, like, it looked vaguely Camino in, but not, it looked off to me. Like the proportions looked off. Mm-hmm. Well, okay. and, it, and it, I mean, this is, I'm going to stretch to a different science fiction franchise that's on the older side, but it reminds me of the Asgard in Stargate. Mm-hmm. Um, and they are also involved in cloning. They clone themselves. A lot of the plot throughout the show deals with them trying to figure out how to solve their cloning issues that they're having. Mm-hmm. And there, I just remember there's an episode where they find Asgard that were cloned like thousands of years ago, and you can see that there's an evolutionary difference between them. Mm-hmm. And it gave me that kind of vibe of like, like why are the Kamino and the clone masters? Right. Because they clone themselves, uh, right? Maybe. Yeah, perhaps yeah. they clone themselves. Uh, this is maybe this is already in the lore somewhere, and I just never picked it up. But like, perhaps they clone themselves. Perhaps they tried something more advanced at some point, or they tried what you know. Maybe there is a bad batch of Kaminoing clones. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. It's well, uh, well, here's 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 another wacky theory that could be out there. 
maybe this first clone f- facility was their first attempt at making the the Republic Army, and they were going to use themselves. And that's why the experimentation may have gone wrong, because they realized that they were not, they, they didn't have the body structure, they moved slowly, sorry, um, and they just couldn't handle being, you know, any kind of quote-unquote soldiers. And maybe something within the facility was just so wrong mm. that they decided to abandon this facility the way it was when they found Django Fat and realized that because he's a bounty hunter, this would be the perfect person to clone into an actual clone army. Yeah, I will say, uh, I actually hope we don't get an answer to this. And you know what? I agree. I, I like have, I mean, I want an answer eventually, but I hope we don't get it in this show. And this well, is just a, I love this kind of mystery mm. around mm-hmm. what's going on with the Camino. Or perhaps we get a piece of it in terms of, you know, this episode going back to, we find out what's going on with Omega. Right. Um, we discover that Lama Sue and I'm blanking on the other one. Now let's say uh, uh, Conway. I'm sorry, which I, uh, the, uh, I, you both talked. I didn't hear either. Th- there's both. Okay. Ta- there's Tanway yeah. and Lama and Nalase. Nalase. Thank you. Yeah. Um, sorry, Lama Sue is the one I'm thinking of. Yeah. I believe. Okay. Sorry. So Lama Sue and well, now I'm just never mind. We've got two factions <laughs> of Kaminoans that seem to be working counter purposes. Yeah. Yes. One is yeah. attempting to protect Omega, and the other wants her brought in for her genetics. Um. And I, I'm, it just, we're building into this mystery even beyond, I think, what we originally thought, which is, you know, this Kaminoan revolution against the empire. Right. There is even more politicking going on, even just inside of Kamino. Yeah. yeah. I love this. I, it was, I was not, I thought the Kaminoans were all working together, right? And there was some interesting questions around, okay, well, what, who, did they hire Finnick Shand or, you know, if they if they did hire Fennec Shand, why are they working with Cad Bane, right? Um, mm-hmm. And this answers it that Nala Se is actually going against Lama Su, and Lama Su really wants he wants a sample from Omega, and then he wants her dead, and Nala yeah. Se like actually wants to save her so much so that she's sending out her own bounty hunter Fennec Shand to retrieve Omega from. Lama Sue's bounty hunter, Cad Bane. It's so cool. I love this dynamic. Right. Yeah. Right. And then of- the one that and the one that suffers for it is Tan Wei. Because <sighs> what what we we heard that name what back in episode two. Uh, and we know basically what happened to her. She comes to basically meet with Cad Bane and boom, she gets off. The poor yeah. uh poor Tan Wei. She died so fast. And I, but she didn't say a word, which makes it even. No, she worse. said what she. Well, not yeah, not before she died. She we, she had like yeah. one a brief line earlier in the episode. And I've always liked Tanway. Oh, I missed it. I'm sorry. I've always enjoyed Tanway. Uh, back from, from episode two, you know, Boba is your father here. That whole scene, I always <laughs> just enjoyed, and I've always thought she was like the best of the Kaminoans. And then like the shows oh. never touched on her for the most part. They always focused on Lama Sue and Nala Se, and like okay, well they're they're fine, but where's Tanway? So she finally shows up in the show and boom, she's dead. <laughs> oh yeah. It's dies so quickly. Yeah. I, and I like that. I mean, this is the bulk of the episode, but I like that we've got almost like a bounty hunter wars kind of set up mm-hmm. here as well. Yes. with Fennec Shand trying to protect Omega, but without getting caught, uh, we've got Cad Bane who is invested in trying to capture her. Um, 
and their face off is fantastic. Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. And and the reason why I loved it was fantastic is because you could tell that Phoenix Shan had her moments where she could best him, but also you could tell she was new to this because I think even Cad Bane called her out on it, saying, "Oh, uh, I'm going to paraphrase all this. Oh, I heard about you. You're kind of new to all this." And you could tell, and we've all known Cad Bane's been around for a while, so it was really cool to see, you know, the the old and the young fighting off of each other, and 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 where the young kind of picks up a couple things that that y- you don't expect Cad Bane to like, you know, fall for that the bolo's flying out of nowhere and, and tying up his legs, and he falls over the side, you know, and then he's he's struggling to try and at least get his jet boots on to get over, you know, the, the ledge to to survive, or she. She comes around. He comes around a corner, and the thing blows up and knocks him out for a while. We've never seen really Cad Bane knocked out, mm-hmm. have we? Because I don't remember. No, it. I, th- I think it showed that Fennec Shan is a formidable opponent to to Cad Bane, even though she's so with, much newer. Right, she's, and with a lot to learn though, because yeah. you have to look at it from that point of view. Oh, for sure, for sure. But yeah. like the fight scenes were just incredible. I think some of the best yeah. fight scenes we've seen in in animation, as far as like hand to hand. You know, like they were just going up against each other. And honestly, like as they were walking along those rails and fighting and slamming themselves into different, you know, into the walls and stuff, there were times where I was like, is Cat, I hope Cat Bane doesn't fall. And we've seen in previous episodes yeah. that he has those rocket boots. And I, I thought about it early on, but he didn't use it. He didn't use them. And I'm like, well, maybe he doesn't have them. And then, you know, he gets thrown off the side of the of the railing. And I thought, just like Tonway, he was going to die too soon as well. And my heart literally skipped a beat. I'm like, no, not Cat Bane. Don't kill him already. And then <laughs> and then he survived. I was like, oh, my gosh. Thank you. Oh, it was, it was so well done. It really was. Yeah. yeah. I love the shot where Fennec Shin kicks the thermal detonator back. Mm. Yes. And it, uh, it blows Toto off the edge. It does some serious damage on Cad Bay and just yeah, a plus fight all around. Oh, Choreography was just perfect. Cad Bane's yeah, double flamethrower. Yep. yep, that was cool. And and again, I got to bring it up. And then Toto, sorry, all those credits just went off, off, uh, just done, just gone. I hope Tonway still pays Cad Bane, although he did lose. Uh, I don't know. I'm, I just love Cad Bane. I got to make sure. I got to make sure the guy gets paid. You know. I, do we think Cad Bane is going to last through this season? I, I would know. hope so. I hope so, but there's always that tendency to, you know, explain, you know, how it is that Boba Fett is the premier bounty hunter by the time we get to episode five instead of someone like Cad Bane. I mean, it's right. 20 years later. Cad Bane's going to be like, he's more like Grandpa Bane at that point, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, it's, okay. It's, sure, okay, William. So, okay, so here's here's a good Sitting question. Sitting there in his, in his rocking chair with the... Uh, the thing is the toothpick in his mouth. Uh, so, okay. So here, here's a good question. Do you think that right now this episode does set up a meeting between animated Boba Fett and Cad Bane that could possibly bring back the story plot that Filoni wanted to use, but didn't? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> and how soon do you think we'd see it if it happens? Very I think it's very soon. You think it's that soon? Well, St- Steven, your, your thoughts. Yeah. I mean, so the thing, the thing we find out of Omega, about Omega in this episode is she and another clone named Alpha are the only ones who ha- were derived from the original DNA of Django Fett. Right. Therefore, the Kaminoans need that DNA in order to continue creating the perfect clones. 
And we discover that Alpha, this original one, is Boba Fett. Right. A clone named Boba. Uh, there is no way we don't, like, first of all, we've now got Alpha and Omega, which is, yep. uh, has a nice literary ring to it. All right. Um, there's no way they don't bring them in. You don't name drop Boba Fett and then not bring him into the show, especially but, when you're dealing with now his sister. Like, Boba Fett has a sister, right? Right. It's confirmed that, uh, you know, Omega is an, un- is, like, I want to say unaltered. Um, she's slightly but altered. But she is. Um, no, she's, well, well yes, yeah, I mean, I'm sorry, you're right. She is slightly altered. Right, yeah, like, yeah. The, the tiniest bit, but, you know, yeah. a hair. Um, but, um, you know, like, you don't bring it, you don't introduce a sister for Boba Fett, and then not introduce Boba Fett himself, especially when not just Cad Bane knows about Boba Fett, but like the rest of the Bad Batch know about right. Boba Fett now. And, right. you know, and they talk about how, oh yeah, we lost track of Boba Fett. We don't know where he is now, right? That combined with the fact that we know in the Clone Wars, Cad Bane trained Boba Fett. He helped him get Slave One. He, you know, his, he put his armor on for the first time, right? All this stuff happened. And actually, um, Watching it again, if you guys look really closely, you can see the dent on Cad Bane's helmet, where uh, where Boba Fett, the that Boba Fett made in the unaired episode uh, where Cad Bane was training Boba Fett. In that episode, um, I believe he shoots Cad Bane's helmet and uh, dents it, and you can still see that dent now. It's like that that story clearly still happened, even though we never saw it finished. Mm-hmm. Um, and and so I, it's it's a matter of time, and it it would too perfectly set up Fennec Shand and Boba Fett's relationship in right. the Bad Batch and the Book of Boba Fett. So I'm sorry, the Book of Boba Fett and the Mandalorian. So there's no way they don't introduce Boba Fett this well, season. And and as I've always said, if you're going to call attention to something, you better use it. Ding ding ding. Yeah. Yeah. Which, what did you guys think of seeing that flight pod again? Because the last time we saw it was. I don't think we've seen it until no. Wait a minute. That's right. We saw it at the Clone Wars because Fives got inside one of the flight pods to escape. Oh, I forgot about that. Yes, You're right. Remember, Five yeah, jumped into one yeah. to escape. That's good catch. Thank you. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. No, that that whole scene, like Omega trying to get down the ladder while handcuffed and oof, tense. Oh yeah, and, and and Toto trying to like prevent her from doing it. <laughs> yeah. I, I got. I gotta I, ask. I like the character, but really, what's his purpose other than being like a kickball to Cad Bane? That's about it. Okay. It, well, sorry. That and uh, we, no one would ever believe that Omega would stand a chance against Cad Bane. So giving Cad Bane the kind of dumb, not so smart sidekick gives Omega a chance to actually escape, which would Good not point. happen otherwise. Good point. Yeah. And it, it you know, it, at least, uh, you know, the, the, the flight pod gives her an opportunity to escape and yep. um, eventually the batch like swings in and rescues her just in time. I thought it was a, I found it a little surprising that the batch was able to find her based on that. Cause like her, her, her own com uh, uh, was destroyed by, by Bane, but right. But know, remember she activated the uh, satellite dish. That's true. Although on I, Camino, although uh, I, on, I guess on, maybe sorry, she had on, time on to planet. like sorry. enter a right. message or something. And was like, right. Hey, <laughs> Well, she she was able to get something out to them, and even um, 
fives that's like my sorry fives um echo yeah was able to pinpoint and they were able to get there but it took that brief second to realize for me it was actually the bats that saved her because to me that could have gone either way mm. you didn't know at that point that it was cad bane had his ship um uh sabotaged or if it was finnick shan who saved her so either one of those was like a 50 50 split who would have saved her or if she'd crashed honestly like you didn't really you knew her she ran out of like her engine sputtered out and she just started but the plummeting. In, the impact was different though. If it, it was. was a crash, if it was a crash, she wouldn't have gone forward. Like she was caught yeah. in like a tractor beam or something. Yeah. True. Yeah. It was just very well done. The whole thing. I just, I really enjoyed it. Um, it, it does leave open. I mean, we talked about some of these, but it does open a few questions, you know, in my mind around like, why did, why didn't, um, Lama Sue need her sample. Like, wh- why do they need her to get a new sample? Um, why not? Uh, why wh- do they not just keep the records of the samples, or do they 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 lose? It? I don't know. I feel like the Cavanaughs should like try to keep more. I don't know backup samples well, or something. And what do they want to do? Even if they do have her sample, what create more Django clones? Possibly, but but realize that doesn't want them. I don't know. Yeah, but realize that um, Qui-Gon Jinn kind of used the little sneaky thing with Anakin saying, here's a vitamin shot for you to get a sample for his mini chlorine count. So maybe they were going to pull the same thing with ah. Omega, but she's just a tad too smart to realize it wasn't going to be a vitamin shot. But I don't think so. It's, I'm kidding. It, it yeah, was I, I, gotta, I hope there's a little bit more here, William, because... Omega was on Camino up until what a month ago, kind right. of at this point. Yeah, good point. What is it that has changed that they weren't able to use her? Exactly. Like if it was yeah. so, if she was so critical, like the only sample, right? Then you think like I don't know, once a month, or I don't, I don't know how long, like how long would the sample even last, right? Can they just keep grabbing a new sample, um, either from her <laughs> or just like you know cultivating the sample? I don't know. I don't know how long they can they can keep the samples around. But um, there's got to be an explanation for one why they need the sample and 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 two what their plans are for the sample. Is it to make yeah. more clones of Jango Fett or? But the Empire doesn't want to buy them, so who would buy them? Unless they think, oh, we've just figured out the perfect template for clones, and all clones soldiers will always be the Jango template going forward. And even if the Republic doesn't want them, maybe someone else will. I don't know. I wonder look at it from now this point of view you've got the empire doesn't want the clones anymore maybe the Kaminoans think that they're going to take these soldiers and sell them to the highest bidder to now fight the empire not so much taking the rebellion but basically turn themselves into a quote-unquote you know the the separatists the empire is there in force the clones seem to be loyal to the empire not to the Kaminoans but if they come up with it, that'd be risky. Yeah. But it, but if they, if they do it in secret, I mean, the Camino ones have already been doing a bunch of stuff in secret anyway, they could still, and wasn't it the empire that put, they could always take the inhibitor chip out of the new clones and put something different in there to where they have control of the clones. Yeah. Do you guys think the Camino ones will live past this season and the series? Live, yes. Uh, continue producing clones that would be in any way a threat to the Empire? No. Yeah, I agree with Steve. I, I think that's what we're leading up to here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Well, I think they'll and definitely it, uh, explain why they don't make more clones, uh, at least for the Empire. Uh, yeah. Sure. And then I, they're going to have think, to explain... Oh, go ahead, Steven. Okay, I think part of the story here is going to be perhaps... Uh, the, the fact that we now have you know the good clones and the bad clones makes me... Or sorry, the good Kaminoans and the bad Kaminoans, if you will, makes me think that perhaps the Bad Batch help rescue some of the good Kaminoans, mm. set them up somewhere... Yeah, do you think yeah, do you think they'll team up with Nalase? I suspect so. Nalase seems to just want to protect Omega. She doesn't even want Omega to come back to uh Camino. Yeah. So that would seem to align her interests with those of the bad batch as well. Yeah. Yeah. The thing I found odd yeah. though is like she at even at the end, she's like, okay, well, as long as she isn't in the hands of Lama Sue, she's safe. So she seemed to be okay with um Omega with the batch. And yet she kept sending Fennec Shand to go steal Omega from the Batch. I don't know if she just had a change of heart and was like, okay, well, now that I'm okay. That was pretty early on. Yeah, that, I think yeah. that could definitely be a case of, you know, I don't trust, you know, this crazy squad of clones that go on dangerous missions over and over again. Right. That's mm-hmm. a That feels like a reasonable concern for someone like uh, Nala Say to have. Right. Yeah. And if that is and, the case, then at this point, maybe she feels that the Bad Batch can be trusted with Omega yeah. safety. Yeah. And Hunter even said so. It's like, look, you know, we're going to protect you. Yeah. Plain and simple. So. Does Nalas is, what do you guys think? Is, is Nalase's goal just like, I care about Omega and want to protect her? Or is there something else? I think the season will dictate at the end how it plays out. I don't know. We know she doesn't want her to come back to Camino. Uh, you know that uh, we know that she wants her to be safe. Plus, remember, Finnick Shan did sit there and say, "Do you want me to go after her?" And 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 Nala Say said no. So, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll find out. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. I. And like I said, I love that we are pushing forward with the story and not having um, filler episodes. Like it just, yep. we just keep going. Yeah. 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 But the, the episodes I, earlier I really were great for developing the characters. Uh, and now I'm excited that they're just, they're pushing the, the core plot forward as well. Yeah. Cause there, there's so much exciting stuff happening. And if you haven't seen the mid season sneak peek, I do encourage you all do so. Cause it's, it's pretty cool. There's, yeah. there's a lot of good stuff coming in this this season i guess we're gonna have to uh, buckle in for a hell of a ride going forward is this the time where i admit that i actually still need to watch that <laughs> <laughs> oh it's okay that I, just means you're you haven't been spoiled but from, from scenes from this episode so yep ah well perfect yep yeah it's good it's good stuff though one other thing um uh, that i really appreciated uh, the episode guide for last week confirmed that Bane's ship is indeed the Justifier, the uh, the ship originally designed to appear in an unreleased season of the Clone Wars that we were talking about before that in that arc. So, yeah, that arc did happen. I, it's just, I will say, I loved all of the ships that we saw in this episode. Yep, absolutely, some cool stuff. Yeah, they're just doing a great job. They talked about how Brad Rod talked about how, a little bit how they. Uh, they did adapt the ship a little bit from what uh, was originally in Bad Batch, but um, or in the Clone Wars, but it was it's mostly the same. So it's it's cool stuff. 
do you guys have any theories for what will happen next before we get into our final ratings? I suspect I'm... a going to ground episode, perhaps, where they're trying to hide again or stay away from Cad Bane. Yeah, I, I think know. we'll see Sid again. They they may, Sid may send him out on another mission um, just to try and pay back debt. Um, I'd like to see where Sid plays into all this. You know, is she working with the Huts? Is she working with the quote unquote rebellion? Is she just on her own? Is she a crime boss? Is she this? Is she that? You know, I, I'd like to see where that goes. Yeah, there's a lot to cover in the last seven episodes, honestly. Like, we've got who, you know, more, more info on, like, Nalase and Lamasu's agenda, right? The the formation of um, the Stormtrooper army. I think we'll kind of see that come to fruition this season. Um, what happens to Crosshair? Do they, do they save him? Do they not? <clears throat> um, who is Sid's boss, right? And they, they keep working for, and and uh, how do they deal with that and of course like the future of omega there's a lot to wrap up here and i i suspect they'll probably wrap up a lot of this uh in season one but i don't know maybe they'll have a few cliffhangers left over i would hope they're not they can't tie up all the storylines i gotta keep something open true but we don't uh, know if the show is continuing they have they have not confirmed a second season yet and uh and that's the pattern we see from marvel seems to be a lot of one season shows Mm -hmm. so good point yeah Well, Tom, what's what would you give this episode? Nine. <laughs> Sorry, I'm I'm gonna go there. It's what really made this episode for me was just the atmosphere on that planet, that the abandoned Camino and research facility, and then just the fight between Cad Bane and Phoenix Yan. All that just worked so well for me, and I really, really, really appreciate the writing of the show to where they can go from one episode right into the next episode then right into the next episode and and just keep the story flowing and moving forward. And at the right moment, they're answering the right questions at the right time instead of dragging it a little further. Like, we definitely knew there was something special about Omega. They didn't drag it to the end. They figured, they, they found the right moment to explain why. Yeah. So, and, the, and everything in this episode for me was great. So I, I have to give this a nine. My nine wamprats, you see, the, the nine wamprats are actually running around that facility and you were not aware of it because technically what they're doing is they're trying to keep it in, let's say, cold storage in case some of the Camino ones decide to come back and continue the experimentation that's going on. But the reason why that stuff was green is the one that would have made it 10 accidentally fell into it and it got through the facility and that's why all the water was green. So that's why there's only nine left. Okay, Steven. Yeah. Uh, this is actually not a tough one for me. I'm going to give this a nine and a half out of ten. This was just a really, really good episode that I enjoyed from start to finish. Uh, lots of intriguing little pieces of backstory dropped in. Lots of questions it opens up. Uh, and just an awesome fight between um, an old fan favorite character in Cad Bane and a new fan favorite character in Fennec Shan. Like, literally couldn't ask... Or, like, I wouldn't want them to change anything in this episode. It was just really good. Um, 
And uh, yeah, I mean, so after Fennec Shan's defeat uh, or escape ish, you know, against Cad Bane, she knows she can't go against him one on one in the future. So she's going to turn to a crack squad of nine and a half Womp Rats. And don't ask the one who's got a half because oh, <laughs> he's got some stories to tell about what happened there. Uh, but they're they're going to join and they're the, the batter batch that are going to help Fennec Shan defeat Cad Bane. <laughs> Oh boy, oh boy. Well, I I was going back and forth as well. This is such a great episode. You know what? Yeah, I think I'm going to do nine and a half Wombrats out of ten as well. And these these Wombrats, um, you know, while Fennec was pursuing Omega through the old abandoned cloning facility, she found um, a actually nine and a half Wombrats that were being cloned by the Kaminoans, kind of like that old that old Kaminoan they found uh, in the tank. She found tanks with nine and a half Womp Rats as well. And she opened them up and you'll actually see in the next episode, uh, those nine and a half Womp Rats go up against Toto 360. Um, nine and a half Womp Rats because one of the Womp Rats needs his foot healed just like Toto. And Omega will help with that, of course, as well. <laughs> but no, this this was just, this was a great episode. It's I think Steven, you said it just so well. Like, there's really nothing I would change, and right, that's that's why I have to just give it such a a high rating. Except maybe like, don't kill Tonway so fast. Um, but oh, and also like I totally forgot, Rena Owen came back to play Tonway. Of course, she played Tonway in the um, in Attack of the Clones as well, and so that was really cool to see her reprise her role after what. Uh, almost 19 years right um that's that's really cool to see and yeah you know just all credit to the writing team because cad bane's dialogue is phenomenal uh i just love everything that comes out of his mouth Corey burton is amazing and i'm so glad we're getting more cad bane in this Mm -hmm. series and i hope there's a lot more of him to come so i'm gonna give it nine and a half womp rats out of ten uh, and yeah, I think that's, that's it for this episode. I mean, we'll be back next weekend with our review of the bad batch season one, episode 10, and we'll see what, uh, where they go from there. It's good stuff. Hopefully it'll be a better summation than this last one. I, I we're never going to get a very detailed, <laughs> detailed no, we won't. summary. No, we won't. It's just, it's, they got to keep things spoiler free. So, and yeah, I, I appreciate that. I appreciate Nothing wrong that. with that. Nothing wrong with that at all. So, uh, have a good week, everybody. We'll be back um, the next week, a little bit earlier than our, our typical uh, Sunday night releases. And then, uh, just a heads up, we are going to take a break off for a couple weeks. I'll give you a heads up again next weekend as well. But we're going to take, I think, uh, three weeks off, and then we'll be back with uh, a, a couple of reviews in quick succession to catch up on mm-hmm. the Bad Batch because a lot's going to happen. We're so excited. Uh, only reason we will not be recording is because a few of us uh, will be uh, off the grid, disconnected yep. uh, for various reasons. So yeah, we won't be able to record, unfortunately, but we'll be back as soon as we possibly can with more. So stay tuned for next week, our review, uh, with a special guest as well. And then... Um, yeah, and then we'll, we'll take a, a brief break and, and come back with the, our reviews of the rest of this season. So, Can't wait. Yeah, Thanks for listening, everybody. And Thanks for listening. May the Force be with you. 
Thank you for listening to the Ion Cannon Podcast, your source for entertainment reviews from a galaxy far, far away. For over a decade, Ion Cannon has covered every corner of the saga, from the films and animated series like The Clone Wars and Rebels, to books, comics, games, and more. If you like what you hear, please rate us in your favorite podcast client. Your review will help this show grow within the Star Wars community. We can be found at our website, ioncannoncast.com, and you can follow us through Facebook and Twitter. To email us, you can do so at contact at ioncannoncast.com. The Ion Cannon Podcast is not associated with Lucasfilm, The Walt Disney Company, or any and all of their respective trademarks or copyright holders. Any opinion expressed on the show are that of the hosts. This podcast is a production by fans, for fans, and is copyright 2018.